Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. You know, this is um, a message uh, titled Finish Strong. And it's something, you know, when the Lord bursts things, you know, they, they start as little inklings, little, you know, little thoughts, little functions within us. It's not that something just comes forth, you know, that stirs, takes time. The Lord builds on things. And I have a friend back in Texas who I consider my closest friend. She's a friend I prayed for, and she's who the Lord gave me. Those are the best kind of friends to have. So we were having conversations because we are both in, in ministry and, you know, just observing people in ministry. You see the good, the bad, and the ugly. You, you can learn so much, can learn so much of what to do and so much of what not to do. You know, but we're just seeing how many people, how easy it is to start out strong, to start strong, but how few finish strong. You know, how few there are to look at and say, wow, right to the end, right to the end of their life, they just flowed with the glory of God. They never quit. It never stopped. They never slowed down. They finished strong and they finished at their best, you know? And I believe that is the way that the Lord intends for us to run our race and to finish our race. Um, And so that's kind of where this all started. But, you know, just even in my own meditations more recently, um, just speaking to the Lord and asking him questions about things, you know, I would see, now I'm I'm seeing this in myself as well, (laughs) so I'm including myself, but you know, I see us as the body, that we are so eager sometimes to get revelation, and, you know, maybe we get some new revelation, and, or maybe the Lord corrects us, or he teaches us something by his word or by his spirit, and, you know, we grab onto it, and it's so exciting, and then, you know, a week goes by, a month goes by, and the excitement kind of fades sometimes, you know, and, maybe we get stirred up to something else or we just, oh, okay, well, I kind of, I learned that, so I'm going to move on to this now, you know, and we let go of it. When God shows us something, when he gives us a revelation, when he corrects us, it's the beginning. Like, it's only the beginning. He is starting a good work in us. He wants to bring it all the way to completion, but that's only the beginning, you know, so we can't stop there. We can't grab a hold of something and think, oh yeah, I know that, you know, I know that, and sometimes we like to even become experts at it um, and tell everyone how much we know about it, but it's, it's only the beginning, um, you know, and it's, it's always looking for those shiny new things that sometimes keep us from valuing the things he's already given us, from he's already shown us, you know, if we will take the time to meditate, to study out, to dig into his word, to spend time with him and talk to him about that one little thing that he asked you or told you, we're going to get somewhere. (laughs) You know, we will continue to grow in that area, and then he can expand things, but we cannot let go of things that he started in us, okay? Because 
they just get left by the wayside. They, that area of your life never develops. That area of your life never gets any further. You know, it plateaus. And that's not what he has for us. He wants us to continually, continually be growing. Okay, so I found some keys for us. Um, <laughs> so Hebrews 12 is full of keys for finishing strong. Okay, I am going to read these first three verses to you out of the message translation. I really like it out of this. And then we'll get into studying it from our regular um, ESV. But it says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot some adrenaline into your souls. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know how wonderful it is to sometimes hear some different wording <laughs> and to get a different perspective of God's word, right? Um, so verse 1 in the ESV says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's what you're probably more familiar with. So the first word, therefore, we have to go up and see what is it. Therefore, why are we surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses? Well, Hebrews 11 was all about these men and women who did things by faith. You know, I would not say that they are great, strong men and women of God, but they are men and women of a great, strong God. And they yielded to his strength, and they yielded, and they obeyed, and they walked by faith, not by sight, right? So their examples are all in Hebrews 11. It goes from Abel to Enoch to Noah to Abraham and Sarah to Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, mentions a few more after that. The point is, everything they accomplished and went through was by faith. And it says, though they were commended through their faith, they didn't receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So in other words, they are waiting on us to finish our race. They are sitting there, they are cheering us on, they are surrounding us as a great cloud of witnesses saying, come on guys, come on, finish strong. We all want to be in this together. We all want to finish together because there is a glory coming that we can't imagine, you know, and they're waiting for it too. That's why the dead in Christ rise first and then we all join together. Our physical bodies are made perfect with eternal bodies. We are snatched away. That's what the rapture means. We're snatched away from the world. We're gathered with our Jesus. It's what we're all waiting for, right? So because we are surrounded by these great witnesses, by all those who have gone before us and finished strong, it should be a motivation and an encouragement for us to run our race. And then we're given specific instructions 
on how to do it. Okay, so these are some of those keys I was talking about. Now look, I'm gonna just encourage you, if you go back, you look up these people in Hebrews 11, study out their lives, all of these keys that we're talking about, they'll start unfolding to you. You'll see them at work in these people's lives as well. Now we're not gonna go through all of that tonight, but I encourage it for each of you, go study it out, something to dig into. Okay, so the first instruction here is that we lay aside every weight. We cast off, as the message said, the spiritual fat, the extra weight that is not needed. So some of us are consumed with casting off physical fat, natural fat, right? And we put so much time and effort into it, you know, um, but we're neglecting. We're neglecting to do something about the spiritual fat, okay, the spiritual weight that is weighing us down. And how many of you know that if you're 50 or 100 pounds overweight, it's a whole lot harder to do things physically, right? Like if you're gonna climb a mountain, you're going to climb a bunch of stairs, you're gonna you know, run a race, it's gonna be a lot harder with that extra weight on you, okay? It's the same in the spirit. <laughs> what causes spiritual fat? The same thing that causes natural fat. Extra junk that we feed on and we take in and it's not healthy and it's not beneficial to us. Now, what are some of these things that, that were taken in that are unhealthy? Sometimes it might be uh, feeding on worldly, carnal, perverse entertainment. Now, I say that word perverse, and some of you just check out because you think, oh, I don't watch pornography. That's not me. No. That's not what the word means. It means twisted. Okay? All it means is something that is twisted apart from God's word. So... <laughs> Just as an example, I remember years ago there was this author that was very famous, very popular, named Nicholas Sparks. I tried a couple of his books. I was always a big reader. He worships love, romantic love, not God's love. And he draws people and he sucks people into that, to worshiping a romance. Okay? It is dangerous. It is perverse. It is subtle. Okay? It seems like, ooh, a great romance. It's not a Jesus kind of romance. It's physical. It's carnal. It's not what God intended for us. It is a counterfeit. It can be that subtle. When I'm saying perverse things that you're taking in, it can be that subtle. So don't check out and think that's not me. Okay? Because there's little things that we're taking in all the time. I think Melvin mentioned soap operas. You know, the morals, the values, the gossip, the backbiting and strife. Why are we feeding on that? Everything that we feed on gets in us. So that can be weight. Okay, what else can it be? It can sometimes be people's words. Words that are full of religion. That'll weigh you down. That'll weigh you down a lot. It'll condemn you, right? Uh, unforgiveness, bitterness, and offense come out of hearing people talk about things that are hurtful, that are gossip, that are venom, you know, being released. And what does it produce in us? Weight. Weight. Offense. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Those are weights, okay? They come upon us. Sometimes it is our own thoughts and our own words towards ourselves just that don't line up with what God says. Now, these can cause worry. They can cause anxiety. They can cause depression. These are weights. Okay, I'm just giving you a few examples. These are things that are weights 
And it's when we allow this junk in, and it is that we allow it in because we're the gatekeepers of our hearts. Okay, God tells us, guard our hearts. So you're the gatekeeper. You allow what comes in and what doesn't come in. When you let junk in, when you eat a bunch of junk food, your body pays for it. When you eat a bunch of spiritual junk, a bunch of car- well, carnal junk, and you're feeding on it, your spirit pays for it. It's not good for you. It sticks around and it weighs us down. It causes us to be less healthy and slower. Some may even stop and give up because of all the weight they're carrying. It's not what we're made for. What did Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30? He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. See, as we learn to cast our cares on Jesus and trust him and walk in obedience and submission to his yoke, we trade our heavy burdens for his light burdens. Jesus says they're light, so they have to be. Nothing, in, nothing he would permit in our life is ever too heavy. It's what we permit in that's too heavy. We permit these things that weigh us down. He doesn't. So we have to cast aside those weights. We are told to do it up to us, something we can do and we have to do if we're going to run our race well. Okay, next we're uh, instructed to also cast off something else. What is that? Sin, which clings so closely. So the message describes it as parasitic, feeding on us and sucking the life out of us. Now, if we look that word up in the lexicon, it means literally surrounding, wholly around a serious hindrance that encircles hampering someone who desperately needs to advance. So that's what that means. Clings so closely or entangles, okay? From this, we get a picture of being circled around on every side by sin. Now, sin is an enemy, but it's not just any enemy. It's an enemy that surrounds us with intimidation and manipulation in order to control us. At times, sin bullies us to try to intimidate us, to give in to it. At other times, it's more subtle. It seduces us and manipulates us to try to entice us, right, to cooperate with it. We're told to cast it off. We're told to throw it aside so it's not something we have to stay entrapped in. Sin is a defeated foe. What does Romans 6, 12, and 13 say? I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. It says, sin is a dethroned monarch. You are not subject to it. If he is dethroned, you are not subject. Why are you bowing to him? He's dethroned. You have to see him that way. Sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must no longer give him an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for noble purposes. Doesn't that sound better? (laughs) That's the kind of king that we want to serve, the one that uses 
us for noble purposes, right? So as we're running our race, we're casting off those weights and the sin that surrounds us, but we're not just running any old way. We are running with endurance the race set before us. So that word endurance, it speaks of constancy. How many of us are good at that? Not me. (laughs) Not naturally, anyway. Constancy, consistency. It speaks of steadfastness and persevering this kind of run. This means we should not be running in an unstable, manic fashion. How many of you have watched all the little toddlers running around here? Do they have any direction? I don't think so. (laughs) You know, one minute they're running this way, one minute they're running this way, then they're in a circle. They're all over the place. They don't know where they're going or what their purpose is (laughs) half the time. They're just going. They're just in motion, and a lot of times, if we could see ourselves in the spirit realm, that's what we look like. We look like little toddlers running in circles because we are not running consistently with endurance, the race that is set before us, and that's the other part of it, is that it is a course. You know, it is something that is set before us. It is not just running any old race the way we want to run it. God sets the direction. God sets the boundaries, the purpose, the rules. Our job is to run the race that he sets for us, not to run it in our way. This includes staying in our lane, right? Staying in our lane, running our course, not trying to run our neighbor's course, okay? This gets into the whole thing of comparison kills contentment. If you were looking over in the lane next to you, that person is not called for the same course you are. And if you are comparing yourself to them, you are going to get discouraged and disappointed, possibly even jealous, okay? It's not gonna be healthy or good, it's gonna weigh you down and you're gonna be going slow again. So stay in your lane. Refusing to yield to sin and to those weights, those cares of the world will help us to run this race of endurance. But there's one thing that's gonna hold it all together that is our focus that will keep us steady and consistent. Verse two, looking to Jesus, the author, the founder, and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our gaze has to stay on Jesus. Our ears have to stay tuned to him. Our hearts have to stay fastened to him. He's the one who started the race. He's the one who finished the race. He has already accomplished the goal, and he has sat by the Father in the place of authority. Now, he prepared the way for us, and he invited us to follow him, okay? Our union with Jesus gives us his authority, and it allows us to endure and to continue no matter what the circumstances. Verse 3 says, Consider him who endured from other sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now the message says that in this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Considering what Jesus suffered and endured for us, it should spur us, okay? It should give us a passion. It should wake us up sometimes. If you need a wake up, go read through these scriptures. It's so simple. Read your Bible. (laughs) 
How simple is that? Just read your Bible, go to the scriptures, see what Jesus did, meditate on what Jesus did. It keeps us from being weary when we do. That word for weary, it means ready to collapse. It means weary to the point of sickness. Have any of you guys ever felt that way? Consider Jesus. That's what we're told to do. Consider Jesus. Think of what he was willing to go through. To consider is to add things up, to reckon, to repeatedly reflect upon. What is that? That is an intense and consistent meditation, just like what we were talking about. Meditate on what Jesus did over and over and over. Don't let it ever leave your thoughts. It keeps you from being weary. We can never look at him and think, he's not worth it. We can't. So much of what he went through was so that we wouldn't have to go through things. He set us free from the power of sin. He set us free from the darkness of oppression. He set us free from the pain of sickness and disease and from the curse of poverty. He faced sin and the curse head on, and he defeated it. He overcame it. He did it for us. So as the message says, we can't feel sorry for ourselves. We cannot grow weary. Now you may be fighting, you may be resisting, but you haven't to the point Jesus did. So get over yourself. Yeah. Not in a mean way, but yeah. sometimes we just need to get over what seems so big in our lives and stop worrying and say, wow, Jesus, look what you did. Look what you overcame for me. Let me see things from your perspective. Keep your eyes on him and you can keep going. Okay, and that word faint-hearted, it also means discouraged. We cannot allow discouragement in our life. Okay, that just means a lack of courage. It means we don't have the courage to move forward. That's not what God called us for. He told us to be of good courage. So for our benefit to help us run our race, we have all these wonderful examples of these humans from Hebrews 11 who simply believed God and obeyed and walked. They were people, regular people. They were not superheroes. They were regular people who just believed God and took him at his word. So we have all of them as examples. More importantly, we have the perfect example of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, the life, the word, the bread of life, the living water. He is all of this. And we have specific instructions how to run our lives, how to cast off these weights. And even with all of this, God gave us more because verses five and six, let's look there real quick. It says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now the next section of scripture, going down through verse 10, it's all about the subject of the discipline of the Lord. I know all of you are real excited about hearing about this tonight, right? All of our favorite subject. How do you want to discipline us, Lord? There's over 30 verses in the book of Proverbs that speak about the Lord's discipline. Um, this word for discipline, it's translated instruction, reproof, correction, but it really means training and educating children using instruction, using correction, using these uh, chastisement in order to discipline them, to train them, to show them the way, right? So there's so much in this word. It's vital 
for us to run our race, to understand the Lord's discipline and to accept it. Um, the body of Christ is being asked here, have you forgotten? So that means that as they're running their race, as we're running our race, sometimes we can forget. If we couldn't forget, we wouldn't, he wouldn't be saying to us, have you forgotten? So have you forgotten that you are children of God? You are not servants. He does not speak to you as servant. He does not speak to you as a stranger, but as children. It's intimacy of a family. The value of this invitation from the Father to come into his family and to be his children is actually mind-blowing. It's really too good to be true. Somehow he made it true. So have we forgotten that the creator of the universe addresses us, us, think of that, us as his children? Have we forgotten how precious this truth is? Verse 7 and 8 are going to give us some keys to the importance and the purpose. It says, it is, for, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. So these are powerful affirmations of our sonship, of being a daughter, of being a child of God, but at the same time, they also set forth a very serious condition for being God's children. We have to submit to and partake of his discipline, his training, his educating us, or what does it call us? Illegitimate. Illegitimate children are those born outside of wedlock, outside of covenant. They're not entitled to the benefits of being an heir. So that tells us if we do not yield to the discipline of the Lord, where is our heirship? How are we children? We can't be his children unless we allow him to be our father to train us, right? Now, don't get caught up in natural thinking here. Some of you may have been in the natural conceived outside of wedlock. The beauty of God is that if you accept him and you receive his fathership in your life, you're no longer illegitimate. You are now legitimate. You're a son. You're a daughter. Whatever your natural life has been, it doesn't matter. That does not define you. It's a lie to say that you're illegitimate if you've come into God's family. You are legitimate to him. You are a true son and a true daughter. But in that... We have to submit to that discipline. It's just a part of being a child. So we're, gonna, we're not going to go any further in the scripture, but I just want us to see how privileged and honored we are to be given this gift of being his children. But it comes as a package deal. We have to treat him as a father and able to, in order to be able to receive the fullness of what he has for us. To be treated as children, we have to also treat him as a father. We can't expect everything to be on him. We have to receive his discipline. We can't blow off and ignore his training and expect everything's going to be okay. See, John Bevere tells a story of the gospel as there's an island with a bad king on it. And all of these people that were born on this island, they're under his kingship. And in his kingship, he has decided to enslave everyone. So everyone on this island who is born here, they are 
enslaved, okay? They are ruled by a bad king. Now, there's another king, and he looks at this island, and he says, oh, that's not right. I don't like it that those people are enslaved. I would love for them to come and be part of my kingdom because I won't treat them like that. I'm a good king. I want them to be part of my kingdom. And so what does he do? He goes and he defeats the bad king, and he tells the captives, look, you don't have to stay here. I have defeated your king. You can come and be a part of my kingdom now. But if you're going to come be a part of my kingdom, you're going to submit to my rules and let me be your king. It doesn't mean that you're just on your own and, you know, people get this very bad misconception of, I come into the kingdom and I, you know, I'm free. I'm free from darkness. Jesus says, take my yoke upon me. There's still a yoke. (laughs) It is not your way. You have to choose. Am I going to submit to the kingdom of slavery under a bad Lord? Or am I going to submit to the kingdom of light with a good king? who also requires his lordship in my life. You know, it's the same thing when we adopted Lucy. We signed papers to say we're agreeing to be her parents. We agreed to all that comes along with that, all of the financial burdens, all of the, you know, physical protection. We agreed to everything it took to be her parents. But Lucy, because she was of a certain age, she also had to sign. Did you know that? She had to agree to be our daughter. She had a choice. She had to sign a paper that said she agrees to allowing us to be her parents. Now in that, she agreed and she submitted to our authority. She agreed to come into our family and do things the way we do things. So it wasn't just she signed this paper and she's out on the street doing whatever she wants. No, she's part of our family. She does things the way our family does. That's exactly what God's done here. We were willing to adopt Lucy just like God is willing to adopt us. But in that, as the ones who are being adopted, we have to agree to yield ourselves to his terms, to his training and his discipline in order to be able to finish our race strong. So next time we're going to get deeper into the discipline of the Lord. We didn't go a lot into it tonight. There's some, the verses from Proverbs I want to look at, and then I want to go back into the ones from Hebrews. So we're going to go back into that next time. But I believe these things are going to equip us and enable us to finish strong, not to get stuck. You know, I just think there's so many times where we're, we're plateauing at a place that we should never be plateauing. He wants to take us further. He wants to take us deeper. He has bigger plans for you than you have ever imagined. Don't you dare stop. I'm just going to encourage you with that. Don't you dare stop because he has more and he wants us to finish strong and there's too much at stake not to, right? All right, so let's pray and we will dismiss out of here. Yes, go ahead. Oh, praise God. <laughs> oh, praise God. Yes. Oh, praise God. Very happy for you. Thank you, Lord. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for letting us come together tonight as your body, Lord. Thank you. 
Thank you that you care enough about us as a father that you want to train us. You want to help us be more like you. Father God, let us submit ourselves to it, not to be resistant against your training, but to be like putty in your hands, Lord. Let us be like putty in your hands, soft, moldable, wanting to be just like our daddy, wanting to be just like our Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for this beautiful group of people who have a heart for you, who are seeking after you, who are going after you, who are running their race, Lord. Let them treasure up these words that you spoke to them tonight, Lord. Don't let them leave here the same as they came in. Oh, we just want to honor you tonight, Lord. We want to honor you and thank you and put you in your rightful place, that you are exalted above all. We thank you, we praise you, we love you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.